Welcome to Podcast Palestine, The War on Gaza, a special podcast from the Cairo Review of Global Affairs, where we talk to policymakers, experts, and academics about how the war in the Gaza Strip is unfolding and the prospects of a political endgame. I'm Nadine Shaker. On Tuesday the 2nd, a drone strike in a densely populated neighborhood in southern Beirut killed Hamas's deputy political head Saleh Harari, as well as six other Hamas members. A day later, deadly explosions in Iran. A news of Israel bracing for an escalation of war in Lebanon. How do these chain of events affect the path of war in Gaza, but more broadly the entire Middle East? And how could they undercut U.S. efforts to head off a broader regional war if it does not act fast? I am joined today by Abdelhadi Lejla, a Palestinian political scientist and author of the book Trust in Divided Societies. This interview was recorded on January 3rd, 2024. Today is day 89 since the start of the war, and it continues into the new year, unfortunately. I wanted to ask you, what is the current situation like for the Palestinians, especially your family, which I know has been tremendously affected and displaced by the war? Um, how are they doing now? Well, my family is um, is like all other families in the Gaza Strip. Um, they, have, they are dehumanized. They are displaced. They are fighting for their lives in, in, in terms of finding food, scarcity of food, but also the lack of medical care, um, considering my mother is 76 years old, um, and uh, also um, other members of the family, they needed some. Uh, for example, my, my sister is pregnant um, and uh, eight months, and her pregnancy is, is uh, a bit uh, difficult. And, and and so so my family is like the rest of Palestinians in the Gaza Strip um, uh, suffering and, and uh, their lives um, can be changed in any moment. Okay. And are they now in the south or they, uh, have they moved to the south? Well, yeah, yes, I, um, they, they left in the first week when Israel um, started to bomb indiscriminately uh, in the Gaza City. Uh, we are from the Gaza city, my family from Shijaiya area, which has been destroyed. Uh, so they displaced in, in, in different areas in the south. Uh, some sisters are in Rafah, others in Khan Yunis, some in Dar and some in, in, in uh, Nusayrat, and some in Zawaida. And, and for me, that was a relief, actually, um, that they are scattered uh, all over the place. So... Um, in the beginning, I was a bit uh, worried when they were in Gaza in one house mm. because Israel was targeting houses so they could, like, in case, like, it didn't happen. But, like, other families, like, I, I'm, like, Dogmush family lost 120 person in one strike. So I was, it was a relief that they are in the south scattered, but still, the situation is bad. And is the cadence of bombing the same? Has it uh, increased, uh, stabilized, or um, like what would what are they telling you? Well, it's it's. I mean, uh, it's the airstrikes have been uh, diminished, but the uh, other strikes from the artillery, from the tanks, continues. Um, and driving people 
um, to the south continues, um, asking people to flee, uh, bombing houses, the bombing shelters uh, continues. Um, uh, last night, also the air, some airstrikes in Khan Yunis and 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 Wasta. So the situation there is, in 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 one hand, Israel is uh, decreasing the number of uh, airstrikes, but increasing the the, the ground offensive. Uh, but also that could be because Israel now is paying um, attention to the northern borders um, uh, with Hezbollah and Lebanon. Uh, but then anyway, the people continues to die. Uh, last uh, night, only f um, in Khan Yunis, 50 people were killed. Of course, we cannot compare it to a few weeks ago when um, 300 or 400 uh, people were killed. But it's still, one life matter uh, here. And majority of them, mostly children. Uh, I hope your family remains safe. Thank you. You did bring up the mentioned the intensification of the ground offensive. And yesterday we saw news, uh, Reuters specifically reported that the Israeli army is reconfiguring its troops. So they're pulling some from south of Gaza. And like you mentioned, uh, placing some reservists in the north on the border with Lebanon or returning to, to Israel. And this is actually a point that you rightly predicted in one of your tweets. You said that Israel might tire easily because it was never used to this uh, prolonged type of warfare. But also there might be another plan in mind, like you said, with the ground offensive. So what do these moves tell us about where the war is heading right now? This is the first real long war um, that Israel uh, and Israeli army is engaged in. And Israel cannot uh, um, manage long wars. And, and that's why pulling out is because the 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 fighters are tired mm. mentally and psychologically you cannot push a soldier officer in insurgency war uh, for two months to fight without uh, with all these atrocities with all these um, carte blanche uh, to kill to uh, with the blood to destroy to do this without backlash of mental health issues. And that still asked about the reports that's last uh, two days that uh, Israeli psychologists have fled. Many of them have fled Israel because they couldn't handle this and moved to the UK. And that's by, uh, according to Haaretz. But also the last week when one of the soldiers woke up from his sleep and took his gun and shot all his uh, uh, comrades or his uh, other soldiers while he, they were sleeping. Hmm. And he was like having hallucination. Like PTSD or something. Exactly. So from one side, they tell us that they want to pull them because the more they are inside the Gaza Strip, the more they are uh, going to have backlash and negative consequences on the whole society. But another factor is the Israeli economy. Yeah. I mean... The Israeli economy is uh, weak. Two days ago, the Israeli central bank, they said the, the, the cost of war until now was around more than 200 billion shekel. Mm. And that's a huge amount because the Israeli society is a militarized society. So everyone above the age of 18 or 20 is a person that must serve in the army. So if the economy stops, so what is left? So they need to pull out some of them to, to work. 
But the third here, which is important reason here, um, which is linked exactly because Netanyahu now is under pressure from the society, uh, a pressure from his peers and the government and also his the opposition as well, because the election, elections are coming. So Netanyahu, the only option for him now is to run forward. And the longer the war is, the longer his survivor. And that's why he, from one side, he wants to keep the status quo in Gaza, like it is now, because if he keep pushing on Gaza, then Jordan, Egypt, and the international, I mean, some of the countries in the West, well, okay, we need to find a solution for this. And the Americans told him, like, we gave you carte blanche now, you need to give political uh, price for this, uh, peaceful settlement with the Palestinian authority. So, so now he, like, he, 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 he will continue his operation in Gaza to minimal, um, uh, like, he will minimize the uh, daily casualties of Gazans, uh, but he will keep the troops there. And that's, you say, a way for him to stay in power, just to prolong the war. And that's his idea, in my opinion. But also another war he can create, which is in Lebanon, because they have been for a long time um, threatening Lebanon, threatening Hezbollah, and saying that uh, we have limits. Um, We restrained ourselves for a long time. So now with the killing of Saleh al-Aruri in Lebanon, it's crossing the red line for Hezbollah. Yeah. Because Hezbollah have mentioned any killing on the Lebanese territories will find a response. So what Hezbollah is going to do is it will respond. But it will not escalate to the limit of Kulplon war. Mm. Because not Hezbollah, not Lebanon, and not Israel can handle this. And the Americans now are really worried and they are not interested in a war in the Middle East. So now Netanyahu is trapping the Americans in the Middle East. So that's based on this. I think Hezbollah will restrain itself a bit. It, uh, they will respond, but it, could, it can take some days, uh, some weeks. But uh, the Americans will try now to, to find a solution as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. because. Uh, any response now will cause a full-blown war. But my is, my predictions here is is very pessimistic. Okay. I have written this like few uh, like six weeks ago on one of my I don't know I was trying to look for this tweet that if the Americans didn't stop Netanyahu now that was six weeks ago we are going to the regionalization of the conflict and after regionalization of the conflict this conflict will take like uh, 20, 30 years to end. That could include later on the collapse of some regimes in the area, in the region, including Egyptian and Jordanian regimes. And that will have really huge consequences on the whole region, American interests, and even everyone in, in, in the world, which seems like now is, is happening now, but it's not happening so fast, but it's going gradually to this uh, direction. So the apocalyptic worst case scenario for you is that this blows into a regional war and somehow uh, the Americans are absorbed into it 
Uh, you mentioned that the Israelis have trapped Americans right now in bringing them into this war and also escalating, like you said, on the border with Lebanon, which is something that no one wants, really. Um, can you elaborate more on that statement? Uh, what do you think the American role is right now or should be? So so the, the idea here in, in the second day on the 8th of um, October, Americans sent um, their uh, warships to the region. Okay. It was signaling that uh, we will stand with Israel. We will not allow Hezbollah to be engaged mm. directly. Hezbollah was engaged to five to three kilometer and then to five kilometer. And there were some informal rules and regulations between Hezbollah and Israel. But later on, uh, like a few days ago, like uh, the Americans, after the call between Biden and Netanyahu about pushing Gazans outside of Gaza to Sinai mm -hmm. and about destruction of Gaza City, and because Netanyahu felt the euphoria and Smutrich and, and others, the, the excitement of destruction, that they can win, they can do whatever they want. Hmm. So the Americans wanted to tell Netanyahu that the military support for you have diminished. And that's why two days ago they withdrew these warships from the Mediterranean. Wow. So Netanyahu, what he did, he was, okay, I'm going to, um, to trap you again. So now he attacked um, uh, Lebanon, Beirut. It's a legitimate country. It's not Hamas. Uh, it's not uh, Gaza Strip. Uh, it's a member of the United Nations. And now um, the, 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 the Hezbollah will respond. So the Americans now will be forced to come back. But coming back for the Americans here is not a normal comeback because the comeback to attack, for example, Lebanon is not like attacking Afghanistan. Hmm. It's not attacking like Yemen, because Hezbollah have a regional uh, power. Okay. Uh, they have regional alliances. The Houthis, um, they have power in the there. The um, Iraqi, Iranians. Uh, the Iranians. Uh, Gaza is already on fire. Um, but also you have Syria. This could escalate very much if the Americans directly engaged hmm. in and his regional power. It will take some time to flame this. If 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 the Americans engage directly in this war, um, then the international uh, war uh, or global conflict will erupt because who is going to support um, the Iranian alliances? Who is going to support those to humiliate the Americans more? Uh, in response to the Ukrainian war, the Russians. Mm -hmm. So we are back to square zero of the 60s, 70s, uh, where proxy wars happen, but at the global regional wars. Well, I did not think about that at all. Like I, um, That's an interesting scenario that you propose. Um, and does it look at all that like the Americans are trying to stop the war or will try to, especially with the global pressure that we're seeing, you know, from demonstrations that, you know, might um, push them, eventually push them to force Israel to stop the war? Do you think that that is plausible? Okay, we, we have here two things. Um, 
we, we need to discuss how the American society is affected by this, how the American economy is affected by this, how the America in the you know, United States is affected by this. It's nothing. I mean, who is more affected by this and will be affected by this is Europe. That's why Macron, um, the French president, uh, the Spanish, even the, uh, the Luxembourgian and the Belgian, um, and even uh, uh, the British foreign minister were, were like skeptical a bit about like, we need to stop this because the escalation here is going to affect Europe more. In terms of a refugee crisis? Not, no, 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 not only refugee crisis. I mean, because what, because this is related also to how terrorist organizations will exploit this crisis, exploit the the radicalization, uh, the bad and good radicalization among young people in the world. Mm. Like ISIS is coming back because we see like now escalation in the in, in Iraq and Syria. Al Qaeda is 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 have have already issued statements. Um, so they are coming back, but this time they will the terrorism uh, because those uh, groups are opportunistic. And 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 such terrorist groups can um, really, uh, uh, at this point, recruit people easily. So we could expect some terror attacks, and these terror attacks will not happen in the in the United States. This will happen in Europe mostly, where we Europeans, Muslims, and European Arabs and European Palestinians also will suffer as well. Uh, and and that's why the Americans don't care that much how much it can escalate. So to answer your question, because the what controls um, the American policy now is uh, full support to Israel, whatever it takes. There needs to be some serious rethinking of you know policies and about what the future holds. Um, I did want to go back to Hamas. I know we've went into interesting uh, areas, uh, but I did want to talk about, you know, the strategic goals of Hamas since October 7th. And with this blown up war and the intensification of the humanitarian crisis, Hamas said that they will take political responsibility for whatever happens. I... I'm wondering how that translates to Gazans, first of all. How do they perceive Hamas and how they're fighting this war? You know, you mentioned the resistance and how it's persistent, but also Hamas's legitimacy uh, regionally and globally. Before 7 uh, of October, actually on the 6th of October, I sent, I was, I, I, I finished uh, research on the protest against Hamas in the Gaza Strip since 2007. And there were 12 um, uh, huge protests against Hamas governance and Hamas uh, in, in the Gaza Strip. Okay. Uh, what are the reasons for the protests? Uh, they are against Hamas governance, about corruption, about lack of uh, policy, about lack of opportunities, about economy, about poor uh, services, uh, and, and so on. And, and people in Gaza uh, were not satisfied with Hamas. And Hamas' popularity in the Gaza Strip was really low. After the war is different. 
And if we ask about the Gaza Strip, it's different than the West Bank. Hamas popularity in the West Bank was high before, and in the Gaza Strip wasn't that high. To be honest, it was minimal, like maybe 20, 25% max, uh, Hamas popularity in the Gaza Strip. Um, but after the war, I think it increased by only margin, like one, two, three percent max in the Gaza Strip. In the uh, West Bank, it increased by 10%. So we are talking that um, Hamas popularity increased, and, and that's increased because their agenda, they have an agenda, they have political program that adopted military resistance. However, and that's we were talking about end of November. If we talk about popularity of military resistance, I think the great majority of the Palestinians have now believing that the only way um, uh, to free the Palestinians and to free the Palestinian land and to free the Palestinian dignity and to get the, their own rights and self-determination is uh, through uh, military uh, resistance. Because when we're talking about the Gaza Strip now, and, and that's a month ago, 70% of the Palestinians have either lost somebody or uh, somebody of their family is, um, is wounded or they lost their home. Personally, uh, myself, I have lost um, uh, what, what I, I, that's what I know. I, I lost my, my niece, one niece. I lost uh, two cousins with their old families, around uh, 25 person. Um, and based on some figures now, uh, which rumors we don't know because many under the rubbers and we know how we have no communication. Um, they, there are some of 30 members of my family also that uh, were killed mm. in, in Gulf mm. City. So only myself is around 50 people were killed. Um, so, and, and that's me. So you can imagine how other Palestinians. Um, so, so here Hamas popular or, or popularity for military resistance will not be questioned by any Palestinian because the level of grievances here is so high that Israel created monsters of military resistance and freedom fighters. You brought up an interesting point about, you know, military resistance being the only path to resist at this point. I had one question um, that I really wanted to ask you, uh, and it's about war objectives and whether they could change, um, change track. And Israel had stated and vowed very firmly that it will destroy Hamas at all costs. You spoke about how that's an impossibility because of how Hamas functions, their combat style, you know, the labyrinth of tunnels that they built, the landscape of destruction that's helping them take cover, uh, their structure, all that. Um, I wanted to ask you uh, if you feel the same way. And also, what are Hamas's trends and pressure points, you think? Well, I'm still actually, I'm more convinced than before that this is um, this goal. And this is actually not my, uh, my now, that's what I wrote, I wrote it some time ago, but now the Israeli commentators and the Israeli generals um, and the Israeli head of, of security agencies, former ones, they are talking about the same thing, that it's impossible. 
to destroy Hamas. You can weaken Hamas, but you cannot destroy it. Um, the, the, the war objectives uh, were actually changed. Um, only two days ago, the Israeli uh, spoken person said, um, that's uh, now we are pulling the troops because one of the main objectives of our military campaign to stop rockets uh, from gas ship um, have been achieved. Um, and it has never been the objective of the Israeli army to have this. But exactly three hours after, Hamas launched a barrage of rockets on Tel Aviv. So, so, we, so Israel army said we are we took control of Jabalia and north of Gaza. That was three weeks ago. But every day, an Israeli soldier officer is being killed in north of Gaza. So, the objectives of of the Israeli campaign cannot be achieved. Um, uh, that's one thing. So, their objective after three months, if we talk about, if we take their objectives from day one freeing the hostages they haven't freed any hostages so far except those were by negotiation and they tried to free three hostages or four and they killed them and then second one is to end hamas they haven't ended hamas uh to stop the, the rockets if we want to consider it they haven't stopped the rockets um to destroy hamas tunnels they have discovered only uh 10 tunnels uh, maybe so what we see here is is that Hamas Israel objective was to destroy Gaza and Gazans and civilians and their life in there. Nothing more, nothing less. Um, and and uh, here, look yesterday when they killed um, a Hamas leader in Beirut, they killed only four people. Uh, they didn't use um, bomb. They didn't uh, destroy the whole area. They didn't kill one hundred or three or five hundred people. They just killed four people. That they what they target. They could do that in Gaza. They could have done that in Gaza. They could have used these techniques in Gaza, uh, targeted killing, but they didn't do that because the objective was clear. That it's a destruction of Gaza and killing as much as possible from the civilians. Thank you for listening to Podcast Palestine, The War on Gaza, and to my guest, Abdelhadi Elejla. This episode was produced by myself and by the Cairo Review's Deputy Senior Editor, Omar Auf. Let us know what you thought of this episode and share your feedback with us on social media. You can also read a transcript of this interview on the Cairo Review website. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Salam.